0: a few moments and pray, shall we? Father, it's awesome to be able to come together this morning in the name of Jesus. It's great to be able to come together and celebrate the goodness of God. And Lord, we open our hearts to you, we open our minds to you this morning. We take a moment to become aware of your presence both in us and on us and it is our desire today to honour you it is our desire today to lift you up to praise you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we know that where two or three are gathered you're amongst us and that your presence is in the praise of your people so Lord it's our privilege this morning to be able to minister to you I ask that you would speak to each one of us today that perhaps things that are on our mind that are, are troubling us or whatever that you'll drop an answer in that there will be divine moments throughout our time together that every person would know something of encountering the presence of God this morning thank you for the opportunity thank you that we can come so easily we honour you, we worship you we thank you for today. Amen. Would you like to stand and we're going to join the team and praise Jesus.
1: Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Man, I'm glad I'm a church. I'm
0: glad I'm a church.
1: And the other side, man, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm here. Oh, awesome. Let's raise the expectation in this place this morning. God is here, yeah? yeah? Awesome. How many believe God is here amongst His people even right now? Awesome. Who's going to give their all this morning? Yeah, come on, here we go. All right. Won't you clap your hands? It's the sound of anticipation. I was
2: lost with a broken heart. You picked me up, now
1: I'm
2: satisfied. From the ash I am born again
1: say saved with the Savior's hands You are more than my words could say I'll follow you, to love, for all my days Fix my eyes following your ways Forever free in our
2: name and grace Cause you are, you are, you are My freedom, we lift you high shining lights, breaking chains that are holding me, You set your son down to set me free, everything of this world will turn, I press fancy wrong till I see your face, I will live that you will be
3: done, and I
2: will start to look.
1: Time come on. Alright. Cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher. Come on, church. Not finished there. Come on. This so morning, I want to hear you guys sing. Well.
2: Turn my morning into dancing. I can smile again, cause I have joy. Whoa. It's a celebration. It's a celebration. Begin. Make a joyful noise unto him. Come on, everybody. Let's be and
0: Say hello to a couple of people. Tell them they made a wise choice coming out this morning. Well, welcome. It is great to have you here. If you're visiting with us this morning, wonderful to have you with us. Uh, Can I encourage you if you if you're um, visiting with us today? On your way out at the end, on the right-hand side, if you go out the main front door there, on the right-hand side. There's some tables, there'll be someone there, there's some white bags on there, and it's got information, etc., about the church. Please uh, feel free to take one of those uh, if you want to find out about more about who we are, where we're going, all that kind of stuff. Church, can we welcome our guests this morning, please? It's great. Well, we're very privileged this morning to have Shane Willard with us. And we're gonna have a great time with Shane. It was primarily the older high school kids and the the young adults. Yesterday we spent several hours with Shane and it was fantastic, great time. And um, we're gonna have a very, very good time with Shane today as well. Well, who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the last week? No one. Well, that was easy. Moving right along. Has anyone had a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the last week? must be one of those odd weeks, because there was only one person at the nine as well. Marcia. Marcia's had a birthday. There you go. Very good, Marcia. And you've had a birthday as well? Yeah. How old are you? Six. Six. Happy birthday. Church, why don't you jump up on our feet? We get the great privilege. Stay here with me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. So come and stand with me going to pray God's blessing on these two wonderful people. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthdays. well it's nearly time for the kids to go but while we were singing that song I just had this thought come in my mind why don't all the children stand here and the leaders all stand on your feet because it's easier to stand on your feet than your hands and all hold hands with the person next door to you one hand if the boys are beside girls sorry I know freaky eh freaky so everyone, I want everyone joined in one big long line How's that? Should we make this really crazy? Why don't you all stand as well and stretch out, and you all hold each other's hands too? I know this is—I hate it when people do this in church. This is terrible. But I just had this idea while we we're singing. So come across the aisles a bit because I want like everyone connected, everyone connected. So not just rows. Hold on the end. Are all the all the children connected? You need to come. You need to connect with that one over there, and then all hold hands around here. How about you? How about you guys come up this way? I want everyone connected. Wow. <laughs> I know this is freaky, eh? Yeah. Look, I'm the last person who would normally do this. It must be a god idea. Yeah, who's on the end? Who's on the end? Here, you're on the end. Let me hold your hand. Ready? We're going to pray God's presence on all the children and everybody. How's that? And because we're all connected, are oh, the musos. What, join on the, one of the kids here and make like a little train. Go on. Yeah, let's do it. See, now everyone in the building's uncomfortable, not just the people down here. Here we go. Father, I thank you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence amongst us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would rest on every child in this place and every person that is connected by the holding of a hand to a child, which is all of us. Holy Spirit, that you would rest on us, that we would know your presence this morning. That we would know you're stirring in our hearts. That we would know your life in our beings. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your interest on every one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Way well, you go, kids. Have a great time. Amen. You want to get that old stuff, don't you? And wash all the cooties. <laughs> hey, um, I've got a few things that I would like to highlight for you this morning. Uh, this is our, our month. Mu- this is when we're focusing on mission at the moment over these weeks and there's a new postcard out today if you're not up to date with the postcards what we're doing this year is we're producing a postcard every week to highlight one of the missionaries that we're supporting they're all out in the foyer today, hopefully it was on your seat as you came in uh, Robin, Rhea Gimerick and um they are in Indonesia they are doing a fantastic job there reaching hard to reach people groups and we've been in partnership with these guys for over 20 years it's a long term relationship and um, they are champions there's some prayer points on the back that you can pray into this week while you're thinking about them so please make sure you take a card there's another card that's got a hot air balloon on it Um, this one is there's definitely in the foyer may even be in the seat in front of you and what it is this year is a communications card. And we thought, um, why not write postcards and we'll send them to them, all the missionaries. Write to whichever missionary you'd like. Write your thoughts. Encourage them. It's incredibly encouraging to get a card. Jan and I, uh, in our mailbox the other day, we had a card sent to us by Grant and Vicky from Hong Kong. And, and it was so cool. And um, just off the cuff, we opened it up and it was so encouraging. So how much more encouraging is it going the other way? If we all join together and write words of encouragement, then you just drop them in the boxes by the doors or the red box, that'd be great. Third card, this is card number three. What was the first card? Second card? Communication card, yeah, yeah. Is it like only three people listen to me? Is it only three people brave enough to talk back to me? This one here is in the seat pocket in front of you. This is the Faith Promise Commitment card. And uh, starting this week, I, we really, really need you to fill these cards out. We give to missions by Faith Promise. That's how we sow into missions here. And uh, why we need it on a card, because we don't follow you up to make sure you've given what you promised. That's not what it's about. But why we need you to fill the card is so that we can put together the budget for the next year. So that, because we underwrite uh, for our missionaries. We say, look, based on what people have promised this year, we can do this. And uh, so we really need you to fill out these cards and get them in. So you just fill it out there. You write your email address. We ask for that stuff because... um, We want to keep you connected with what's happening with missions during the year. Um, And you can write how much you want to give, you know, $200,000, no problem. Tick, 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 tick. Sweet. And get it in. And um, so get the card in. Um, I read something the other day which really challenged me around faith promise because often what we do is we go, Lord, can you give me a number, please? How much would you like me to sow into mission this year? And so the number comes, you know, Sheridan. I want you to sow $300,000 into mission this year. And I go, wow, that's going to be a stretch. And um, and then so what we do is we sit and we wait for God to provide a miracle so I can give the money. And I was challenged as I read something this year, and it, 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 we've got it totally back to front. If God says to you $300,000, go okay well, I'm going to put in place right now how I'm going to give that and I'm going to start giving it and I'm going to believe God to make the shortfall. Turn it on its head, I thought, because that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is stepping out, not just sitting back waiting. And uh, I thought that was very good, very encouraging. So you need to start to get those in, please, would be very helpful. The last thing I want to talk to you about, It's a lot of notices for a church that doesn't do notices, um, is... uh, we don't even have notices written on the sheet here. It's got highlights. Um, <laughs> the last thing is the School of the Spirit. We've got this coming up in July. I know that this was life-changing for people last year. And um, this year we've got Helen Calder coming. She's a prophet from Australia. She works with Dave McCracken Ministries. Most of you know Steve McCracken. And um, this is coming up the first week of July. There are very limited numbers here, Okay. You need to get in quick. We're um, partnering with other churches, with uh, the Strongs from Teowoodu, with the North End Church there, with other Activate churches. So you're going to need to be quick because as soon as we reach the number, it's closed. That's it. You can come, you can beg, you can do whatever you want, you can try and bribe me, anything. You won't be getting in. Once it's full, it's full because that's the way that works. Good day. Eh? Yeah. Well, we're going to celebrate communion together. So, Mike, would you like to come and? How about giving Mike a massive big hand? Mike Trollope is an absolute
3: champion. Morning, church family. Okay, Ashes, can you please start the reading? Oh, they're onto it already. That's great. Cool. Okay, the verse that I'm going to share with you today—it's been coming to alive alive to me again um, lately. And it really resonates with what um, our remembrance of Christ today. Okay, the scripture is Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 12. Thank you, John. I'll read the first section, uh, 3 to 5, and expound on uh, key aspects so the full understanding is understood. Okay, so here we go. Here we read. Okay, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one whom men hide their faces from, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, our physical and moral weaknesses, and carried our sorrows, mental suffering caused by loss or disappointment. Yet we considered him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, our going beyond a boundary or set limit. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sin, injustices or wrongdoings. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. I mean, that's, that's huge. <laughs> can you fathom? Can you see what, he's, what they're saying? He's saying there. It's been boggling my mind afresh lately. He personally entered into our humanity because of his great love for us. He's not a distant God, but one who personally knows what it's like to be human and to share our struggles. He took upon himself all our physical and moral weaknesses, our mental suffering, our transgressions, our injustices, and wrongdoings our sicknesses yet he overcame each one of them and then didn't he say later on take courage for I've overcome this world and all its troubles and this leads nicely into further down if we read in verse 12 right at the very very end of Isaiah 53 it reads for he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors so this is even more, so not only did he bear all our suffering, like I've just said, but he makes intercession for us. So, this is not just an isolated event. This is further exemplified in Hebrews 7 25, where it says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for us. So, sometimes we miss the full extent. This is what's coming for me today. It's like, Yes, thank you, Jesus, you've paid the price, but you know, now you're in glory no there's so much more he's actively involved he's still interceding to God on our behalf he's saying father this is tough I've been there I know what it's like they've stumbled but they can do it because I know I've been been through it I know the way and the way the, the way out and I'll help them and so doesn't this say something more about Christ who we're, we're serving who we're remembering today so these communion elements that you've um, got in your hand the grape juice and bread they symbolise His life freely given for us the bread symbolises His body and the grape juice symbolising His blood shed and that we might be restored in right relationship with God our Father with others and be freed from sin and death so as you have the communion let's just take a moment and reflect on who He is we'll pray and then eat the communion together. So let's just pause for a moment. Yeah, let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, afresh today. We can't really comprehend the full extent to what you did and all that you experienced. The sorrow, the pain, the that this world can throw at us sometimes you covered all our errors of our wanderings the suffering of our sins and sicknesses and you overcame each one you overcame that we may be free and made right with God and you haven't forgotten what it's like you are now interceding for us before our heavenly father helping us with our walk and our journey thank you for being so personally involved and with us with grateful hearts we remember you Jesus amen so let's just take and eat together
4: self for praying for us. It's just mind-boggling.
0: this morning to pray for you if you're not feeling well. You've got sickness in your body of any description. If that's you, do you want to come down the front? Great. Fantastic. I wonder if the prayer team would like to come in. Which Jesus as these guys are prayed for. And... It's Jesus' desire that every person knows health in their body. in just here and you've got pain and problems with your feet, you didn't think it was worth going forward for, but you've got problems with your feet, I'd love to pray for you if you have.
1: A family we're a house of prayer yeah we believe for healing in this place so I want every hand stretch forward to your family at the front here and begin declaring healing restore freedom
0: well thank you Jesus that you heal
4: Thank you, for-
0: Oh, look at that. You stay there. I'll come
1: to you. Come on, church. Let's reach our hands to the back. Let's declare healing right here, right now. Come on, Jesus. We declare your healing in this place right now.
0: Much better. Give Jesus a hand. Wonderful. Great. Very good. Well, stay on your feet because you can give Shane a hand. I've, uh, it's a great privilege to um, have Shane Willard with us this morning and or today at the weekend. Yeah, we go back a long time now. We've been mates for um, over 10 years. And uh, it's been a great privilege over the years to watch the way that God's using Shane around the world, and um, so we are very, very privileged to have him with us this morning. He's got way more bookings than he's got time, and uh, you're out to what, 2.19 in your diary, eh? He's out to 2.19 in his diary. It's only 2.16, and here he is with us today. Now, I know that Shane is a very kind man, very kind, but I've asked him today to stir us up with missions. And he said, oh, that might be a bit tough. I said, don't worry, you just... So if it's too tough for you, my fault. Okay, my fault. And my response to you is harden up a little. <laughs> oh, soften up a little, sorry. Soften up a little. So I've asked Shane to come and steer us along, And he will, he will. Because I think God has just such an incredible plan and purpose for us as a church. And if we stay and keep ourselves in the comfort zone, we will never step into what God has for us. And so we do need to be stirred along. So Shane, make yourself at home, have some fun with us, and it's okay.
5: Good. <laughs> <laughs> Give
0: him a big hand. All right. Thank
5: you very much. Thank you very much. You can be seated. If you're the type that likes to follow along in the Bible, Revelation 21. We're going to start there. If you didn't, if you don't, I, I, I've made slides. It's all good. Um, for those you who don't know me, this is all I do for a living. I travel around and speak. I've had the incredible privilege of being mentored by a pastor with his rabbi training for the last 15 years, so all my stuff comes from that bent. I also have a master's degree in clinical psychology, so I'm actually qualified to sort your head out, so be very careful what you say to me. I can ha-ha-ha. Um, on your way out there, you're going to see a gigantic resource table um, where our stuff is out there. Everything we have is available in four formats, CD, DVD. USB, or direct download. I, we have the technology. I can make it appear on your phone if you'd like. Um, if you look at that, if, if you have trouble finding it, seek medical help. It's taking up half the foyer, okay? Literally, it is, if you miss that, you, you're just missing life, right? So you, you, you go out there. The, re, the reason we do that is because we make a whole lot of money from that table, like a lot of money. And, he, and here's the reason we do that, right? Is because we believe we're not simply called to go to heaven when we die. We're called to participate in bringing heaven to every place we see hell here. And so um, the, the, prof- the way I run my business is I, I make my living, I pay my plane tickets and things like this from honorariums and love offerings, right? Now, I don't get a salary from anywhere else. But, but, the, but the profit from the resource table goes to help us fund our missions in the world. So we have three orphanages that take care of mentally handicapped children in China, two in Hinyang, one in Changsha. We have a, a home in Cape Town that gets women off of the streets that are caught in sex trafficking. Um, we also use it to go into third world nations that cannot afford the plane ticket and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the cost of me coming in. And so we don't want to say yes and no based on people's ability to pay. We, we want to honor the fact that people matter no matter what. And, and, and people who live in New Zealand and Australia and America and the United Kingdom, people who live places like that sort of bear the responsibility to making sure this message gets around the world because they can't afford it and we can. And so um, that's, what we, that's what we do with that. So here's all I'm asking you to do is on your way out. Would you come by? Let me put something in your hands that will change the way you look at God forever. And in so doing, you put something in our hands that helps me feed, clothe, shelter, educate uh, mentally handicapped children in China. I think, I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty good trade, okay? Uh, and so I'd like to also take a second and say I also have an online mentoring program up and rolling where once a month I'm in an online classroom teaching people how to see the Bible like my rabbi taught me. So if you're interested in that, come on in. Um, and I'd like to take a second. I didn't get to do this this morning, but I meant to. I'd like to invite you back tonight. The service tonight. I'm going to do something special. It, it, it won't be as challenging as this. It won't be as in your face. Um, it, 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 and you'll leave uplifted. All I'm asking you to do is to give us an hour and 15 minutes tonight. And I promise your life will be changed. If you if you come tonight and it doesn't change your life, um, I'll refund whatever they charge you to get in. All right. So whatever they charge you, I don't know what they I don't know what the fee is to get in the door here. But um, whatever it is, uh, if you come in and it, and, and it's not moving, uh, I'll, I'll refund that to you. Don't, don't stay home tonight. Don't miss tonight to watch NCIS. Okay. Let me help you with that. Okay. It comes out, it comes out in America first. Let me, let me help you what's going to happen. All right. Gibbs gets the bad guy. Okay. This is what's going to happen. All right. So Gibbs, Gibbs is going to figure it out. And and he, that, that's what's going to happen. And you you, you could DVR it and then watch it later without commercials. If you don't have a DVR, it's 2016. What the heck is wrong with you? Right. Uh, Get Apple TV, Chromecast, something, and, and, and watch that, uh, watch that, uh, watch that, later, all right? So, um, so let, let's, uh, let's take a journey this morning. I want to talk to you about world missions and why we even exist. Like, why would we, why would we even be here doing what we're doing if it wasn't for something else? Now, now to do that, uh, I got a couple different ways, a couple different angles that I want to take us on. I want to firstly, t- talk, let's talk about heaven a little bit, all right? So I want to talk about heaven, and I want to change maybe some misconceptions or some conceptions and give us some new thoughts about it. This is, this is the end of the Bible, all right, and this, is, uh, this is what it says. Uh, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is finally amongst the people, and he'll dwell with them, and they'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So a- at the end of the Bible, who lives in heaven forever? Nobody. What happens at the end of the Bible? Everything that's in heaven comes back here, which leads me to an observation. If you want to get the basic picture of a book, you've got to read the beginning and the end, right? So here's what happened. In the beginning of the Bible, God's making a new creation on the earth. At the end of the Bible, evidently, God is making another new creation on the earth. So the beginning of the Bible is about God making a new creation on the earth, and the end of the Bible is about God making a new creation on the earth, and everything in the middle of the Bible is about God making a bunch of new creations on the earth to prepare the earth for the new creation coming to the earth. So the beginning of the Bible is about God making a new creation on the earth, and the end of the Bible is about God making a new creation on the earth, and everything in the middle of the Bible is about God making a bunch of new creations on the earth to prepare the earth for the new creation coming to the earth, and somehow our message became how to know you go to heaven when you die. I I think the problem with that is is that we created a culture where it's sort of like this. We can't wait to go up. 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 And what you read in the Bible is God saying, I can't wait to come down. I can't wait to come down. I can't wait to come down. And if you can't wait to go up and God can't wait to come down, I'm sort of scared you're going to cross in the middle. You're going to, like, miss. And, and by the way, if the, the one of the things in the Bible, one, one of the things that is not a major theme in the Bible is how to know you go to heaven when you die. I'll, I'll give anybody in this room $5,000, oh, I got you now, I, I'll give anybody in this room $5,000 if you could show me one time in any four gospels where Jesus stopped a sermon or ended a sermon by saying, listen, we're going to get to the most important part now, the most important part is that you pray a magic prayer, ask me in your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior so that you can know you go to heaven when you die. Never, or I wouldn't have offered that. But something Jesus never did somehow became our main message. Jesus never talked about heaven as some magic place that you go to. Jesus talked about heaven as a reality that is one day going to invade the earth. Jesus didn't talk about heaven as, hey, make sure you go there when you die. Jesus talked about heaven as, hey, this is what heaven looks like. Get your heart wrapped around heaven now so that one day when you walk into heaven, you don't get whiplash. The idea is, why would you wait to go to heaven in order to have heaven established in your heart? when heaven is available to you right now. My question this morning is not so much, will you go to heaven when you die? Although I am concerned about that, just not for today. My question isn't so much, will you go to heaven when you die? My question is, if heaven invaded earth tomorrow, would you like it? Would you enjoy heaven? I I, I got challenged um, by by a pastor friend of mine. He asked me to go reread everything Jesus ever said about heaven and ask yourself, would you enjoy it? So I did. And I couldn't believe what I found. I couldn't believe how challenging heaven is. Like one time, Jesus said that in heaven, all the secret conversations in your heart will be revealed for all to see. You want to go there? This is the place we can't wait to go? Where all the secret motives are like on display? There's no dodginess, no manipulation? Woo-wee. Goodness me. And by the way, if the only reason you're following Jesus is to go to heaven and not hell, that's very degrading to Jesus. Like, like, if Jesus said, why are you following me? And you said, well, I don't want to go to hell when I die. That's very degrading to Jesus. That'd be like your wife asking you, why'd you marry me? And your only answer is, well, the other chick was ugly, right? Like... Uh, uh, well, option B sort of sucked, right? No, right? Right? If Jesus asked us, why are we following him? We want to say, well, I'm following you because I love you and I want to partner with you to do whatever it is you want to do on this earth, namely bring your kingdom here, right? And, and, and then there's this other really challenging thing in it, and that is, that is this. Jesus said that in heaven, you'll eat, you'll eat dinner with every tribe, tongue, and race. Well, what if you're a racist, right? Or, or, like, or, or what if you know a racist, because there would be no racism in New Zealand, right? You guys are like progressive, right? There's no, there, there's no like racial tension in New Zealand, right? So, so what if you, what if you know a racist? And I'm not talking about someone who's sort of working through it. I'm talking about like white sheep wearing, you know. Anyway, and so, and let and let's say, let's say this this uh, this white sheep wearing racist is dying, and he's in the hospital in Hamilton. And we care about him, right? Like we care. We like 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 God, God cares about all people. So we he's got like twenty minutes to live, so we gotta send somebody to tell him about Jesus, right? And and there becomes a problem because he's a racist. So we can't send my friend on the end. He's got too much color in his skin, right? He can't. But we can send Reese, because Reese is the epitome of all things white, right? So <laughs> he's like, if you want a white dude, Reese is it, right? So so Reese goes over there, Reese says, Hey, listen, mate, here's the deal. You you got like eight minutes to live here. And I, I'm gonna urge you, please, like honestly. Please, get this thing sorted out with Jesus, like, right now. That would, like, that, that would be, like, really good. And the guy says, you know what? I don't even know anything about all this. Honestly, I've never been to church. I've never read the Bible. Here's the thing. Something in my heart is telling me you're telling me the truth. So whatever this looks like, let's just do this, right? right? Do I, do I, what do I need to do? We need to sprinkle? What do we got to do, we gotta do? Right? right? And so Reese says, no, 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 no. Just say this magic prayer. We made it up in 1830, but trust me, it works, right? So the guy says, the, the, the guy says okay. So, so, so Reese leads him to the Lord, and, and, he, and this guy legitimately and authentically doesn't know anything about anything, but he he gives his heart legitimately and authentically to Jesus, right? And That's a good thing, right? That's something we would celebrate, right? All right? So at the end of the prayer, he's got like 20 seconds to live, right? And he says, "Reese, I got 20 seconds to live, bro." This guy's the most alive dying guy you've ever seen, but just try. he says, "He says, Reese, I got 20 seconds to live, man. I don't even know why I did that. I, my life's I'm fixing to be gone, poof, right, in 20 seconds. Like honestly, what point was that?" And so Reese can't open a Bible. He's got he's got one line. So Reese says, "Hey." Hey, here's the deal, right? Because you did that, when you die here in a few minutes, death doesn't win. You, you, you're going to wake up in heaven instead of hell. The racist like, well, that sounds better, right? Heaven instead of hell. That's awesome, right? And so, so 10 seconds later, the racist dies. Where does he go? He- don't look confused. You're like, I don't know where he goes. What are you talking about, right? All right so, so he gives his heart to Jesus, and then he dies. Where does he go? He- heaven, right? So the racist wakes up at a dinner table with every tribe, tongue, and race. Is he in heaven or hell? It's like, man, that guy told me I'd go to heaven. This is hell, right? Right? To the racist, heaven is hell. And the idea isn't that Jesus' message to the racist isn't, hey, racist, just sort of pray the prayer and then live your life. And then one day you'll die and go to heaven. You'll magically be a different person. That is not Jesus' message. Jesus' message is, here's what heaven looks like. And, bro, if you're a racist, go ahead and get that off your life right now why would you wait to go to heaven to get that off of you go ahead and get that off of you right now don't wait to go to heaven to have heaven established in your heart get heaven established in your heart right now so that when you do walk into heaven you don't get whiplash the other challenging thing i've found is this when you die there's two places you can go right there is heaven and then there is Right, right and of the two which one has fire hell right right so we think of hell as the fiery fiery place but here's what you find in the Bible, do you know how many mentions there are of fire in hell? One. At most, six. So let's go with six. Depending on how you look at it, there's all kinds of ways to look at it because there was Gehenna and there was Hades. There's actually three hells in the Bible, and Tartaro and Gehenna and Hades. Anyway, let's just go with six. Right? In the same translation, there is 229 mentions of fire in heaven. So which place has the most fire? So if your goal in eternity is to avoid fire, (laughs) hmm. So what's going on there? So Maybe we should ask ourselves a few questions to get our discussion going. Uh, One, if the kingdom of heaven invaded your life today, what parts of you would survive, and what parts of you would be burned up in the flames of heaven? The idea is is that there's purifying fire in in heaven. And, and by the way, I have to say this because we're Westerners and Westerners take everything literally. These are metaphors. Like God is, uh, is God is expressly against setting people on fire. Like God God is not a ten year old boy with a magnifying glass and severe daddy issues, right? He's not right. These are metaphors around purity and refinement and launderer soaps, whatever. But I, I like fire because it sort of carries something good. The idea is is that whatever's on your life now that couldn't go on in heaven, if you don't get it off your life now, when you go. When you walk into heaven, it's going to be burned off of you in the, in the fires of heaven. So you may, you may as well get it off of your life now. Maybe we can say another way. Um, if you walked into heaven today, would you recognize heaven or would you think it was hell? Like, if you're a racist, heaven's going to be very challenging. If you're a dodgy, manipulative person, heaven's going to be very challenging. Like, one of the things Jesus said about heaven is, no matter if you started working at 6 a.m. or 5 p.m., you get the same wage. It's pretty challenging. Because I think I've done a pretty, I think I've done a whole lot for God, see. See, I, I, I travel this world. They had to do a $14,000 surgery on my legs a few years ago because the blood wasn't getting back to my heart properly from sitting in economy class too much. And you teach Sunday school, Ooh, right? Right? But Jesus is very challenging. He's like, no, 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 no. The people who taught Sunday school is going to get the same, the same wage as you because it's all like the, the grounds level. That's very challenging, right? Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, are Jesus' description of, of the kingdom of heaven congruent with your life? Where would your life struggle to live in that virus? If, if heaven hit earth tomorrow, where would you be like, oh no, I got a lot of changing to do. And if that's the case, why not change now, right? Or, or maybe the better way to say it is this, it, what pruning needs to take place in your life so that the kingdom can be established in your life today? See, see the, 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 Hebrew, the Hebrew and the Greek word for judgment has nothing to do with guilty and not guilty. That's how we think, because a judge declares someone guilty or not guilty. The the word judgment in Hebrew and in Greek, by the way, are are apple farming terms. It means to prune something that's making your tree not fruitful. So the idea isn't guilty or not guilty. You've been declared not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. The issue is is what's on your life that is hindering you from bearing fruit. And go ahead and get it sorted now. Like Jesus said things like this, judge yourself here so you won't be judged there. And he's talking to believers, by the way. The word judgment there is the word to prune. Essentially, whatever's on your life that would get whiplash if heaven came to earth, go ahead and get it off your life now. Why would you wait? Like, honestly, get it off. It's an ancient parental metaphor. If you're a parent, you understand this. You have, there have been times that you've told your son or daughter, hey, you sort this out or I'll sort this out and you'd much rather sort this out yourself. It is that, it is that exact thing. This has huge questions. Let me show you one scripture around this. This is uh, from 1 Corinthians 3. This is a guy named Paul, and he's framing this for the Corinthian people. Here's what he says. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation. So is he talking about saved people or unsaved people? So people who've built their life on the foundation of Jesus, whatever language you want to use around that, he's talking about people who have come to some sort of knowledge and submission to, that I'm going to build my foundational life on Jesus Christ, right? And watch what he says. It, it, whether they built with gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, right? I love that. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, if your foundation is Jesus, checkmate, all right? And then he says, but their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Hang on a second. Is that fire in heaven or fire in hell? That's fire in heaven. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So evidently, um, how you live today matters. Evidently, um, yes, you're forgiven, but how you live today really, really matters. Watch this. Uh, if what has been built survives, the idea isn't are you saved or not. The idea is, is what you built your life around, if, if you walk into heaven, if it can go on, if it survives, awesome. The builder will receive a reward. In other words, whatever you've built your life on that can carry on in heaven, it'll be celebrated and multiplied. But watch, watch the other side of it. But if it is burned up, in other words, if you didn't get it off your life, and you tried to walk into heaven with racism and greed and horror and elitism and manipulation, if you tried to walk into heaven with those things still on your life, the fire of heaven will purify you. It will burn it off of you. And that is a good thing, right? He says, but if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved. In other words, don't start questioning your salvation over this. This isn't some kind of God being mean or mad. He wants your best life. The builder will be saved. Even though only is one escaping through the flames of heaven, <laughs> in, in other words, in, in other words, the, the, one of the um, one of the ways the rabbis put this is this: the fire of heaven is God's intentional, uh, intentional, deliberate um, determination to get you to be the best person you could possibly be without taking your free will away. It's God's relentless pursuit of you being the best you could be. It's a refiner's fire, as Malachi put it. Or Malachi put it this way. He'll be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. In other words, if you struggle with the fire metaphor, think of it as a good bath, right? These are metaphors. God is not setting people on fire. That is uncompelling and ridiculous. Let me me just, let let me me show you this. These are a couple of the key words here. Um, The word fire in Greek, is the word pure? If you're if you're a Bible nerd, it's Strong's word 4442. Right? It, it, it all forms of the word purity come from this refining, purification. Uh, the word judgment is Colossus, which is 2851. It's an ancient farming term around getting the things off the tree that is keeping the tree from bearing the most. Fruit. The idea is, is, I love you, but that greed on your life, it's got to go. It's hurting your life. That racism's got to go. And Jesus' invitation is, hey, whatever's on your life that can't go on there, get it off your life now. Why would you wait? That is absurd. Now, as I was looking at these things, uh, I got so moved and so challenged by one of the things Jesus said about heaven. Let, let, me, let me show you it in two different places. This is, uh, this is at the end of the book, Revelation 22, 12, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to each according to his work. So evidently, even though everybody gets the same wage, in other words, every, everybody's in, eh, 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 evidently, you, the wage and reward are two different things. So evidently, how faithful we are with what God gave us to do here has some sort of effect on on what we're trusted with there. Now, how far do we take that? I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I'm just simply saying that we can't dismiss it. We can't just pretend like, oh, I'm 23, I'll get saved, and then I'll just sit on my butt and wait to die and go to heaven. That is not how Jesus or any Bible writer framed what life is supposed to be about. Life is supposed to be compelling and exciting and dynamic and waking up every day saying yes to the infinite possibilities that God has for our life. That's what life is supposed to be about. And evidently, how faithful we are with that has some sort of effect on the other side. Now, this, this, is, this leads me to this. I'm going to read a passage to you from Matthew 25. This is Jesus' last sermon before he gets arrested. So he finishes saying this, and then he gets arrested and killed, right? Now, your last sermon's pretty important because Jesus knew what was coming. And so he knew what was coming, and he's like, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, 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 come around. Hey, I, I got to tell you a couple really important things, okay? Now, now if, if it's your last sermon and you know it's your last sermon, pretty important, Right? Here's what Jesus said in his last sermon, and the context is, let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. Let me tell you what to expect when you walk into heaven. And it gets more and more and more challenging. This is the same passage where he talks about sheep and goats and right and left and people who did what they needed to do for the least of these and then people who didn't. It gets very, very challenging. Here is one of Jesus' descriptions of heaven. And I want you to ask yourself as I'm reading this, does this fit with Renaissance art pictures? Does this fit the cartoons? Does this fit the unicorns flying? Does this fit fairy dust? Does this fit some sort of magical place? Watch what Jesus said about heaven. For it is if a man was going abroad and called his own servants and gave them goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. And he went abroad at once. And going, he would receive the five talents, traded with them, and made another five. And likewise, he would receive two, gain another two. But he would receive one, went and dug it in the earth and hid his lord's silver. After a long time, the lord of those servants came back and took account with them. So evidently, Jesus describes heaven as you were given a certain amount of talents on earth, and then in that day you're going to be taken account with what did you do with what I gave you. Not compared to anybody else. It's not addition. It's not like the sums are added up. It's a ratio of what you did with what you were given. It is you were compared to nobody except yourself. Now, and then watch how this goes, right? Um, and, and, And so he received the five talents, came and brought another five, saying, hey, you delivered five talents to me, and now I gained another five talents above that. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many things. Once again, evidently, our faithfulness with what God gave us here has massive, massive implications to what is going to be entrusted with us there. How far do we take that? I don't know. It's above my pay grade and it's above yours. I'm simply saying we can't dismiss it as not important because it seems to be a major theme throughout the scriptures, right? And, and the one with two did the same. And, and, and his Lord said to him, well done. Hey, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you rule over many things. Once again, that same influential thing ha- happening. And he and had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, you knew. I, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you didn't scatter. And I was afraid and went and hid the talent in the earth. And now you have it back. And his Lord answered, You evil and slothful servant. Now I want you to notice, it's not that Jesus is saying you're not a servant. It's not like Jesus is saying you're not following me. He's just calling him slothful. Like, And by the way, in rabbinical literature, sloth is not lazy, sloth is apathy towards the infinite possibilities God has for your life. You could work 70 hours a week and still be slothful, you're not lazy. But if you're apathetic to the infinite possibilities God has for your life, that's called sloth. The idea isn't, you're not a servant anymore. It's, you didn't do anything with what I gave you. It, I, I, essentially, it's this. God is a good businessman. Like, if, if, if I'm a contractor, and you're a subcontractor, and I give you 10 jobs. I say, listen, I've got these 10 jobs for you to do. And then at the end of the day, I say, how'd the 10 jobs go? And you go, well, I got to eight, but I didn't get to two. So on Tuesday, I give you 10 jobs. And you go, well, I got to eight, I didn't get to two. And then on Wednesday, I give you 10 jobs. And you say, well, I got to eight, I didn't get to two. And then on Thursday, I give you 10 jobs. you say, well, I got to eight, I didn't get to two. How many days before I'm going to start giving you eight jobs? And then I'm going to take the two that you don't seem to have the capacity to get to, and I'm going to hand it to someone who could get the job done. This is about building a kingdom. And to build a kingdom requires people taking responsibility and doing their job. And evidently, the king has entrusted us with certain amounts of talents. And if you're not going to use what God gave you, evidently, when the kingdom's established, what he gave you is going to be given to someone else because God wants to get this thing done. Watch what happens. Uh, uh, then you should have at least put my money to the exchangers, and coming, out would receive my own with interest. Um, and therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given." And he will abound. But from him who has not, even that which he has been shall even that which he has shall be taken away from him. That is Jesus' final description of heaven. Does that sound like heaven to you? Does that sound like what we have been taught heaven is? No, no. Heaven in this context is way more riveting, way more compelling, and way more challenging than just a place we sit on our butt and wait to die and go to. This is about living a dynamic, compelling life where we wake up every day saying yes to the infinite possibilities God has for our life. And and it also also answers the question of, how can God be true giving all the suffering in the world? Like, here's the thing, right? Have you ever had anybody at work ask you that question? How can your God be true if if all this bad stuff's happening, right? And people say it, right? Somebody at your work says, hey, your God's a fraud. How could your God be true given all the suffering in the world? Your God's a fake. He's a coward. He's a fraud. And something inside of you goes, don't don't talk about my God like that, right? Then they say, no, if your God was half of what you say he is, then the suffering in the world would not be where it is, Right? And you're like all hurt and irritated and mad at them for offending your God. But then you walk away and something inside of you is like, well, they really got a good point, right? Do you want to know the answer to that? The answer to that is not in the Bible. The answer to that is in Forbes magazine. Let, let, me, let me show you a couple of, uh, uh, of things from Forbes magazine that, that is from 2015. So these are recent stats. Oh, uh, 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 shoot, I, I skipped some things. Here we go. Um, uh, according to Forbes magazine... Um, The richest 40 people in the world have $1.4 trillion. 40 people. Roughly the first four rows in this one section. 40 people in this world have $1.4 trillion. Do you know how much money that is? That is enough money to put clean water and sewer in the whole world. That's enough money to vaccinate the whole world against disease. That's enough money to, to start the perpetual production of food for the whole world. That is enough money to educate the whole world and still leave them all billionaires. <clears throat> and God failed? I think not. Not. God only failed if he failed to provide the resources to fix the world. The problem isn't God's failure. The problem is somebody buried something. Forty people, $1.4 trillion. Forty people have it within their power to fix the whole world. Forty people, and God failed. That is more money than the gross domestic product of, the into- of every nation in the world except for the top 12 economies. And 40 people have that. If you you expand it out, the top 100 people, just 100 people, roughly this section, just the top 100 people in the world have $2.4 trillion. That is more money than the gross domestic product of every nation in the world, except for six, the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Japan, and China. Other than that, they've got it. The top 1% have $110 trillion. 1% of the world has $110 trillion. Let me tell you how much money that is. That is that is enough. That is more than the gross domestic product combined for the entire world by $20 trillion. In other words, 1% of the people have the power to maintain the global economy at its current pace for the entire world. And that's held, that's held within 1% of people. And God failed? I think not. Somebody buried something. The richest 85 people in the world have the same exact amount of money as the bottom three and a half billion. And God failed? I think not. The problem is is that somebody buried something. God has provided plenty of resources to fix the world. The issue isn't, is there resources to fix the world? The issue is people sitting on it and burying their talent instead of using what God gave them to make this world a better place. Now, when I tell you that, does it make you mad? Yeah! Your reaction was quite a bit better than the first service. I said that in the first service and they were like this. Honestly! Honestly! When I tell you that, does that make you mad? Yeah. Good Lord. You 40 people should do something. Good grief. You 100 people should do something. Good grief. Are you right? Yep. Are you wrong? Yeah. It's really none of your business what they do. The issue isn't them. What would happen if that's the power of the top 100? What would happen if the top 1 million said, you know what, we're going to unbury it? What, what, would happen, it, what would happen if the top 10 million said, yep, no. What about the top 100 million? No, we're, we're going to do that. We're, we're going to bury our town. And by the way, if you live in New Zealand, which I'm assuming you all do, even if you're on welfare, if you're on welfare in New Zealand, you're in the richest 7% of the whole world. We are the rich people. We live in a country where we can drive a motor car on a paved road to a store that prepares food for us. We have clean water on tap. A a machine that does washing, another machine that does drying. We have laws that protect the weak against the strong. We've got world-class healthcare. When I hear New Zealanders complain about New Zealand, I'm going, where would you like to go? (laughs) If you can't make it in New Zealand, what is wrong with you? You live in one of the top five greatest nations on this planet. The question is, is what would happen if we all unburied our talent? What would happen if we did that? Let's, let's say it this way. If heaven invaded your life today, you would find out if you used what God gave you for the common good or if you buried it. That's what would happen. And if you had to face Jesus today, what would the verdict be? Would it be, man, you've used what I gave you so well, or would it be sloth? Sloth, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, leading cause of blindness in the world, dirty water. Dirty water is the leading cause of blindness in the world. It doesn't call blindness in New Zealand. Why? Because you have clean water on tap. But in a lot of the world, dirty water has a parasite in it that causes cataracts, and the girls are particularly are blind by the age of four. Now, their eyes are fine, but they have cataracts. They can't see. There's a hero named Fred Hollows who was an eye surgeon, and he gave his whole life to fixing this. Do you know what the Fred Hollows Foundation charges to take cataracts off of these young kids' eyes? Thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Which leads me to this question. What's the last thing we spent $30 on? And how does it compare to a little girl seeing? And what if it was your little girl? And you knew there was a country of people paying $30 for a hamburger, fries, and a drink when they could be giving sight to the blind. Somebody buried something. According to the World Health Organization, 16,900 children are going to die today of starvation. Today, and tomorrow, and the next, and the next. Which, what that means is, is 16,900 children are feeling the final hunger pains today, and they'll they'll actually die tomorrow. But 16,900 children are going to die today. What does your refrigerator look like? Could you not feed one? Why couldn't it be, just from the people in this room that that number goes to 16,500 by next year. You say, Shane, we can't fix the whole problem. Well, just because you can't fix the whole problem doesn't mean you do nothing. That's Homer Simpson logic. Somebody buried something. You know what goes on in your country too? Years ago, I was down ministering in a place called Gore. Gore. Maybe you've heard of it. What they told me in Gore was that Gore is per capita the richest uh, city in New Zealand. Like in other words, if, if like, you take all the money in Gore and divide it by the number of people in Gore, there's it, like a lot of money in Gore. But, but, but evidently, evidently, the poorest town in New Zealand is next door to Gore, which is ironic, isn't it? And, and a lady from Gore, who's, who I really, really like, she got moved by actually this message, and she started an after-school program for underprivileged kids. And she asked me, she said, would you come speak to the kids? Which is weird, because I don't know what to say to kids. I'd be the worst children's pastor in the world. Hey, boys and girls, I don't know what to say to kids. Anyway, so I went there, and, and this was in the last week of July, and you've got to picture this. It was one degree, and, and it was raining sideways. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here, right? And I didn't know where to go. I'm, I'm, I'm walking underneath this little awning, but the rain's coming this way, and I'm like, flip, it's so cold. And, and about that time, this seven-year-old comes running by with no shoes. And my thought was, that kid's got no shoes, but he might know where to go. So I, I so I, I watched where he ran. I watched where it, the room he ran into, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to give it a good go with that. So I walked to the room he ran into, and it was the right room. And at that point, I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the adult here, and I, I said, you know, hey, 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 buddy, hey, it's really cold outside, right? Like really, really, really cold. Um, why don't um, why, why don't we find why don't we find your shoes, right? And to which he said, this uh, shoes. Who's got shoes? And I looked around the room, and half the room didn't have shoes. It was one degree and raining in New Zealand. So I asked her, I said, do these kids not wear shoes because they don't, can't afford them, or what's the deal? She goes, yeah, most of them, the parents can't afford the shoes. And I'm like, well, uh, how big of a check do I need to write to make sure these kids have shoes next week? This is New Zealand. What is wrong with people? God failed? I think not. You mean to tell me there's not enough resources in this room right now to buy shoes for that entire town? Somebody buried something. God is not the failure. We're the failure. And what would happen if we get off our butt and quit thinking about heaven as a place we want to go in fairyland and we started getting serious about partnering with Jesus to bring heaven right down here? And to do that requires... Unburying our talent. Hey, you know it's true. You know it's true. When you hear stories of people who unbury their talent, it's moving. Like something, something inspires you. You, you hear somebody like I, I got a good friend named Kyla, and Kyla got so moved by the plight of mentally handicapped children in China. That she said, this is not okay. So what she's done is she started one orphanage, which became two, which became three. And, and now there's three orphanages taking care of mentally handicapped children in China. And she's given her whole life to restoring dignity to these kids. And, and when you hear that story, something inside of you goes, yes, go, Kyla. You want to get mad? <laughs> Let's get mad, right? Because I got mad, so you may as well be mad with me. So I went, I went, I went to China and ministered with Kyla. And uh, I said, Kyla, here's the thing. I'm, um, I'm really bad at hearing from God, okay? So if you need something, I need you to tell me. Don't wait for God to tell me because sometimes I'm just not paying attention. It's, it's just, trust me, listen, there's too much white noise. Too. a lot of monkeys in here. They, listen, just, you, you, need to, you, you need to tell me, right? And she said, she said, well, we recently lost our biggest church financer. And I said, oh, look, I said, oh, hey, GFC, sometimes churches struggle too. They have to make hard decisions. I'm really sorry. She said, no, it wasn't that. She said the church that was supporting us sent us a team of people and, uh, to help. And um, we had to sit them down because these kids are mentally handicapped and we're in communist China. So we had to tell them, listen, you can't force the kids to say the sinner's prayer. Like you can't, you can't sit there and, and make them... Ask Jesus in their heart. First of all, they're mentally handicapped; they don't understand anyway. And, and second of all, it's, it's illegal. We could lose our government favor. We just leave all leave all that to God and leave all that to us. Okay, you just love on them and help them. So the pastor called her and pulled their funding because, quote, "What good is what you're doing if these kids are going to burn in hell for eternity anyway?" Really? That's our story now? God tortures mentally handicapped children for billions of years because they failed to say a prayer we made up? I said, what's his name? (laughs) I haven't opened up a can on somebody in a long time, but I would count that a joy. She said, no, no, no. I said, Kyla, this isn't okay. And that day, Shane Willard Ministries made a commitment to overcome that, de- that deficit. And because of that table out there, we, we've been able to do it to the point where we give them surplus that last year they were able to add 27 new children to the orphanage. Because when somebody unburies their talent, it is moving. I got a good friend named Brandon. Brandon changed my life. Brandon's amazing. Brandon was a 26-gang member in Cape Town. Like a bad man. And and, uh, Brandon gave his heart to Jesus listening to my message, The Authority of the Rabbi. He was just so moved by it. and, 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 he, and now he's given his whole life to changing the cycle of poverty in the Cape Town Flats and he's actually recognized by the Department of Justice as a viable option to post more prison. Just, he's doing an amazing job. He, he actually gave the same message to, to the head of the 26 as a guy named Bones and, and, and Bones, Bones then gives his heart to Jesus and then Bones writes me from prison. I don't know how you get internet access in prison but Bones did. So Bones writes me, hey Shane, my name's Bones and I, I've just given my heart and, and surrendered my life to the way of Rabbi Jesus, right? And I'm like, it's the weirdest email I've ever got. I'm like hi, bones. Um, how do you get internet in your cell? But no, nonetheless, you know it's, it's all good, right? Then Bones takes the message to the number two guy, a guy named Colin, and he makes Colin get saved. And then, and, and, and it is amazing. So, 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 so when I was in Cape Town a, a couple years ago, we had to rent the local civic center because Bones brought like a thousand twenty sixes, right? Which, which, it actually frightened the. The, the, it frightened the devil out of the white people because 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 you know you had like you had a couple under white people and then Bones shows up with a thou- they they thought it was a war or something but Bones comes in and and when when I gave the altar call Bones just stood up and went right <laughs> and like everybody right <laughs> right oh and by the way you know when we started our home for these girls in sex trafficking you know you know what happens here's what happens right you take a girl out of sex trafficking and they're pimp takes that personally, right? So, so he wants to come find them and, and hurt them and get them back. So, so when you start a, a home for girls in sex trafficking, you've got to have security. And who better to provide security <laughs> than bones? See, no matter where you come from, when you unbury, even if it's one talent, if, if your one talent is beating people up, I need to give Bones that one pastor's name, but even, <laughs> even when your one talent is, I'm really good at beating people up, <laughs> and you unbury that for God, hey, hey, I'll provide security for at-risk girls so the pimps can't get them. I'll put my name on it. We'll, we'll put it out there that anybody messes with them, you've unleashed me. <laughs> you hear stories like that, and you're like, Yes! I went by this place in Funanani, uh, in a Marmalode called Funanani. So, so it's a place that takes these at-risk kids in, in, the, in, in this hellhole above Pretoria. And uh, amazing. Like, they, they educate them and they give them trades like um, like woodworking and computers and agriculture. I went there and saw what they were doing because we were helping them financially. I couldn't believe it, what was going on. And there was this fence, right? And on the other side of the fence was hundreds of kids, like, pressed against the fence, and I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, how big of a check do I need to write so all of them can get in here? She said, I could tell you that, Shane, but it wouldn't. I mean, if you write that check tomorrow, they'll be, but then it'll be that again. All we can do is what we could do. And what I saw that day moved me, because here's what I know. We eat ice cream whenever we want, and there's at-risk kids who are fighting at a, at a fence trying to get a basic education. And who makes that call? It's like you're in line at Disney World and you're like, yep, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. Oh. If that happens to us at Disney World, we get irritated. What if you're the kid? No, no, uh, sorry, that's the last one, sorry. You're, you're in line for the next go. Are you kidding me? Somebody buried something. And our challenge is to unbury our talent. You know what, you know what I saw earlier? Here's what I saw. I saw. My good friend and the pastor of this church, who I know personally wants to make the world a better place, he's not one sitting on his hands waiting to go to heaven when he dies. That is flippin' boring. Unless you're 95, if you're 95, feel free. Heaven is around the corner. But, But if you're 23 and you're sitting on your butt waiting to go to heaven when you die... Get off your butt and do something. Your life could be so much better, so much more compelling. Here's what I saw. I saw him take a pretty well-designed card, and he's like, guys, guys, guys. And here's here's what he didn't say, so I'm going to say it, because if you don't like it, I fly out. Doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Here's what he didn't say. That the global mission of your missionary partners, what they can project, they can do, to help bring aid and food and medicine to the world, depends on the projection that comes from that faith promise. If you can hear that and not be moved to do something, and you think that one day you're just going to die and walk into heaven and it's going to be roses and fairy dust, and flying unicorns. No, 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 no. There's a whole lot of flame. You might smell like smoke for a little while. You yourself will be saved, but only as one escaping the flames of heaven. Look, even if you're on welfare, you can give a dollar a day to make the world a better place. Heck, you're spending $6 a day on coffee, New Zealanders spend $6 a day on average on coffee. You know what that is? That's $6 a day making urine. (laughs) And you can't give a dollar a day to make the world a better place? Come on. Somebody buried something. And if we don't get our talent out, the kingdom suffers. Let, let's, let's say it a few different ways. If heaven invaded your life today, would you find out you'd find out if you used what God gave you for the common good or if you buried it? Maybe we say it this way the quality of what you're living for is only determined by what you're willing to die for. Maybe we could say it uh, a couple different questions for us to wrestle with. One, what does your life revolve around temporary pleasure or God's redemptive plan for the world? It's not good or bad, it's temporary or permanent. In my opinion, we, 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 we allow our life to revolve around temporary things, like the All Blacks winning. I hope the All Blacks win, because you hope they do. But in my experience, an All Blacks victory only lasts till the next game. Then they need to win again. It's temporary. I love a good steak, but in my experience, steak is temporary. Four hours later, it wants out, and you need something else, right? Temporary. Not bad, just temporary. Let, let, let's say it this way. What's the last thing that made you angry enough to unbury your talent? Or let's say this way, what's the last thing that made you angry at all? That guy cut me off in traffic! What? You live in a country where you could drive a motor car on a paved road to a store that prepares food for you and still find a reason to be upset? Somebody buried something. That cashier taking forever at the grocery store! Oh, you mean the store that prepackages food for you is taking too long to put it in your basket? Somebody buried something. You know what I find? Kyla and Brandon, they don't get mad when people cut them off in traffic. Why? Because they've given their life to something far, far, far more compelling than that. Let's say it this way. What are you willing to do that for today? Maybe we can say it this way. So important. In the kingdom, it's not the summation of what I've done. In the kingdom, it's not the summation of what I've done like addition. It's the ratio of what I've done compared to what I was given. How does the ratio look? Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Because there's always going to be someone who's done, listen, if we got to outdo Mother Teresa to be okay, we're just all stuffed, right? But it's not that. It's what did you do with what you were given? Let's say it one last way. When heaven hits earth, it will reveal whether your life was built on something that will last or something that will be burned up. Do you have an internal sense that your life is about something bigger now? And why not? Why not change it today? Unbury your talent. I know that it is statistically improbable that there's not at least one person in this room that could write a check for $250,000 and never feel it. What are you going to do, put it in the earth? Good luck. You might say, Shane, I'm a student. I got four bucks. Okay, you are not the financial answer. Let me just put that out there, all right? Like You need help, brother. You need a job, right? But here's what you can do. You got time. I don't know who's running the children's stuff, but I know I love them. Because without them, children would be, moms would be spitting half the service. Shut up. Be quiet. That, right? right? It just makes the whole learning environment better with children in another room. <laughs> Plus, I have no business speaking to children. You imagine me as a children's pastor. Hey, children, let me tell you about fire in heaven. <laughs> All right? Right? They have no business listening to me. You, you, you can't, can, can you not help? I don't know if you have blue cards in New Zealand, but whatever the blue card is in New Zealand, like that says you're not a predator, like you're, you're like checked out. I'm, I'm sure the church could use some really blue card holding hands to help. You can't show up a few minutes early and help greet. And, I mean, somebody buried something. And you know what happens? The world thinks God's the failure. And God's not the failure. We buried something. So may we, my brothers and sisters, be people who unbury our talent. May we be people who don't just go to heaven when we die. May we be people who bring heaven to every place we see hell here, now, today. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We proclaim your king. Lord, We want not you just say this prayer underneath your breath. Lord, give me the courage to see things different the irresistible urge to respond to what we see. Lord, speak to my heart now about where I could unbury my talent and give me the irresistible irresistible urge to respond to that. Amen. Amen. I hope so much that you can come back tonight. We'll share something that will change your life. I can't wait to see you again. Until I see you then, grace and peace. God bless.
0: Thank you, Shane. In the seat pocket in front of you, I need say no more. We're going to have a great time tonight. Hey, as we finish uh, together today, I'm going to ask the host, please, if... um, Shane lives by faith. As he said, the table out there, that pays for what he's doing with missions, but everything else, he lives by faith. And so we want to honour him for his time. We want to bless him for being with us this weekend. So we're going to receive an offering now as we conclude Uh, which is all going toward Shane, and uh, to bless him. But as the hosts prepare to receive that, can I pray? And then uh, they'll collect that. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us today, and thank you for uh, speaking clearly. Lord, my prayer is that we would all have open hearts, open spirits to you, that we would respond in the way that will bring you glory. Lord, that dreams would have been planted and, and maybe even more importantly, that dreams would have been released today. That'll change people's lives. It may even change countries, nations. I ask that you would stir those dreams, that you would stir us and you'd continue to stir us as we go into the week. Father, wherever we are and whenever we're there this week, give us the courage to be like Jesus, making a difference where we are, on mission for you ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Let your blessing and your peace rest on every one of us, every household here. Father, I declare peace over every marriage represented here, over every family represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. If you'd like to receive that, I encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to have a great time together. And if you can't, enjoy the week.
1: Just stand to your feet, church. (laughs) Let's go out on the good road. Jesus name amen have a great week church bless you if you're free tonight we'll see you at 6 p.m. everyone say 6 p.m. everyone say 6 6 p.m. we'll see you there bless you